I've got so much more than I bargained for on this podcast today. A few months ago, I went and did a yoga class with this guy and I heard he had a little bit of a background in running. And I was just interested in getting him on here because I thought there might have been some interesting parallels between yoga and running and how yoga might be of benefit to you athletes out there. And I pressed record and couldn't believe the background that Ryan Mannix, our guest today, has in the running world. In fact, he spent six months training with some of the best Kenyan athletes. He trained under the guidance of Steve Monaghetti and Lee Troop and a number of Australia's best, best athletes and really immersed himself in the running world until injury uh, hampered his performance and he started to look at uh, some treatment and some recovery through yoga. So Ryan Mannix was a, an awesome, awesome interview today. It was a great conversation. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the only reason I stopped after an hour and three minutes or whatever it was, was because I'd promised my wife I'd be done by 4.30 and 4.30 was approaching. So we had to get going, but there's no doubt in my mind that I'm going to get Ryan back on again. Guys, if you like this, if you're interested in the world of yoga, I had a chat with Ryan after the podcast and was really interested in, especially if you're here in Melbourne, in getting a group of uh, us listeners, maybe 10 of us to go in together and do a session with Ryan. So if that's something that you'd be interested in, or if you flirted with the idea of yoga, or you do some yoga, or you'd like to try it, um, I'm, I'm quite new to it as well. So you'd be in good company. You don't have to have any experience at all. Can you jump on Instagram and shoot me a message? Just send it to the Relaxed Running Instagram page. Just let me know uh, if you are interested, because I might put a group message together and try and organize something with myself, Ryan, and a group of us to go in and, and, and do a session. Hopefully it'll be, um, I always feel great just to, uh, just in general, to feel a little bit more flexible, feel a little bit more agile. Um, and I know for when it comes to the recovery of, of running, that's a really important thing. So if it is of interest to you, just jump on Instagram and, and let me know. Um, Man, I, I honestly am really excited to give you guys this podcast. I'm going to do a, a a video in the next couple of weeks, hopefully, with Ryan, which is going to be available for members. So it's going to be a, a, a yoga session of some kind from, I don't know, 30 to 45 minutes, hopefully, where he walks all of us members through sessions. So it'll be another video that we'll add to the experts corner of the, the membership. So if you want to jump on board there, the video library is growing, the podcast uh, or the members bonus podcast is growing and we've got uh, you've probably heard me say we've got training programs from 5k all the way to through to the marathon from uh, beginner to intermediate to advanced and uh, very open to suggestion if there's something in particular that you're hoping you could get on there or that you'd like a little bit of guidance with I'm, I'm more than happy and open to to hear what your thoughts are but we've got a we've got a quite a big crew over there at the moment. So uh, it's been really nice to watch that grow and to connect with a whole heap of members. So if you're interested, um, you can start a, a free three-day trial on either membership, whether you want it to go month to month or, or annual. So if you don't like it, you can just sign out and you won't be, you won't be charged anything. Otherwise you can, uh, you can stay on board with, with a whole heap of other members and myself. All right, guys. Um, I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I did. In fact, I want to, I want to, before we get started, I just want to give a quick shout out. If you are a bloke by the name of uh, Freddie Frothen, or you go under that name, can you get in touch with me? Because Freddie Frothen left an awesome review on the Relax Running membership quite recently. In fact, I've got my phone open here. Let me see if I can read it to you. A big shout out to the great man for for doing it for me. All right, what he said, he's given us five stars. And he said, oh, no wonder I'm giving it a plug. He said, uh, Tyson's a fantastic interviewer. Thank you very much. I'm sure plenty of people disagree. Uh, bringing plenty of energy to every interview. 
uh, a must listen for anyone who's looking to gain a little more perspective on ways to train from pros and experts within the running industry. So, um, hey, Freddie Frothen, if that's you, if that is your real name, shoot me a message on Instagram. I've got a present for you. Um, so, so get in touch. Uh, guys, really appreciate all the reviews coming through. I never leave reviews and I hate asking for them. But if you are enjoying the podcast, I've got a theory that they make a massive difference to podcast ranking. So I would so appreciate you guys, only if it's a five star. Don't go there and say the podcast is rubbish and leave me one star. Otherwise, just leave it. Please don't don't touch it. But if you reckon it's worth five stars, jump on board to the Relax Running Podcast. Leave a review. Anyway, I would appreciate it. I'm getting out of your way because I talk too much. This is myself and yoga instructor, Ryan Mannix. I've got way more than I bargained for getting you on the podcast because my my thought of what I was getting you on, I knew you were interested in the in the running scene. Yeah. Um, but I found out about you obviously. I came and did a class with you at Lululemon with my wife. And when That's I left, right. the girls said to me, they're like, Oh, you know Ryan? Like he's he's quite good at running as well. And I thought they meant you're like a hobby jogger who has like done a little bit of yoga, a little bit of running, and you're just there to help out. And before we hit record, you told me that you trained with Troopy, you've broken 30 minutes for 10K, you've lived in Kenya. So I just got way more excited about this podcast. Yeah. I mean, I was always running. If you had told me like years ago when I was running that I'd been doing yoga, I would have laughed at you. It was like definitely not something on my agenda. Running was always like numero uno, you know, it was always running and it always sort of has been. Actually, to this day, it's still probably, if I was to choose yoga in terms of like the asana as a movement practice for the day or running, if I only had one choice, probably go for a run. Really? I'd still meditate and use that as my practice, but I'd probably still go for a run. I still find that running can give me that fluid sort of feeling that a practice of yoga asana can give me the same sort of thing. It's a different kind of buzz, isn't it? Like I, Yeah. I always feel great after, I think maybe because I just haven't done as, as much yoga as, as obviously what you are, you're teaching it now and, and running so many sessions a month, but I, I love, it's a different kind of a buzz. I love the feeling of just like that agile yeah. kind of feeling. I, and I'm coming at it purely from like a physical perspective. I've got mates who are, who are quite quite into it and look at it more as a, a spiritual practice. Yeah. I pure, like um, And I'm so open to, to learning more about it, obviously, but... The, the reason I'm doing it at the moment is just for that. Like, I just feel nice and nimble. and, and The like, yoga. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the run, like, I, I always feel good for the rest of the day in, like, okay, I've worked hard. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, man, I've been taken through some pretty harsh. Hard classes. Hard classes. And that's well, the thing, I think, it? with runners, like, a lot of runners will get into yoga because it's a physical practice and they have that. Let's say, if, you know, for instance, what, um, my own experience was I got into yoga because I was rehabbing an injury and I could still have, like, a... I was kind of getting to, I was to, to, you know, um, sides of the coin. I was getting a, 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 my physical workout. It was like a physical workout, but at the same time I was walking out feeling, I don't know, there was something different about the yoga. I wasn't walking out feeling super baked from a session. I, I had a bit of energy and I also had some mental clarity, which was kind of cool. I thought, wow, this is good stuff, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was purely from a, from an injury that got you open yeah, to Yeah. Well, as I said, I was always running back in the day, um, growing up through high school, running. I wanted to represent Australia. That was like my goal. Whether it was in darts or 
whatever it was, I just wanted to, and I chose running and running because my dad always used to um, do long course triathlon. So I used to end up just going for runs with him and got into it and had a coach by the name of John Ma, Johnny Ma back in Marcelin. Um, I, know, I know him. Yeah. He was, Ma. and he was like definitely, um, he, you know, kickstarted the running passion for me. And we used to do long runs out in Eltham on the, on the weekends. And, you know, um, I found that running was just, I don't know, a means to sort of, Freedom, there was freedom in running, but also success became, you know, and when you get any success as a kid, you start, you know, the ball starts to roll a bit and rolled in the direction of running. And um, so it was always, yeah, chasing, trying to chase sort of running goals early on, which I learned a lot from. You know, as a runner, I think in any, there's a lot of discipline and dedication as a runner. And I think that really stems in everything that I do. You know, I learned that from running. I I can't put it to anything else. I, I didn't learn it from high school. I didn't learn it from... I think I learned it from running, you know? That's one of the beauties, I think, of, of sport. I just told you that So uh, my wife's pregnant having a kid yeah. like six weeks, which is exciting, but uh, we're having a little boy. And I, I keep thinking about like some of the, the things in my life which were, which were awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the discipline that I got from running training was, was so valuable to so yeah. many other areas of my life. And it, it's something that I'm sort of – I'm thinking of like martial arts for him or whether he'd like to get involved in running and just to learn that – um, the benefit of the discipline and, and stuff that comes with or the benefit that just comes with putting in the hard work and improving your performance and there's definitely a crossover it seems between like the yoga world and, and I'm so new to it man but yeah. um, the, the limited experience that I've had through through being in your classes and then the online classes that I've seen is it seems like the key to improving yoga is is doing it more and learning the yeah. The techniques more effective. Is it anything? Isn't it? It's repetition. There's a solitude though that you get probably from running and also from yoga that sort of marries in pretty well. Like yoga definitely brings you back to yourself. And if you're sort of running and you're not running with crew, like let's say you know one of those one in ten runs that you go by yourself and you're in the bush or you're close to nature and you sort of just feel like you're with your your thoughts for a bit or you're with your body and there's definitely a crossover between that sort of um, mindfulness. I would say you know even though. It's not often you sort of slow down. You take a lot. Of, I, I, my my personal perspective is more perhaps experiences that a lot of runners enjoy their own company. A lot of long distance runners probably enjoy their own company. You know, they can be pretty chill by themselves for a little while, and I think that's really useful when it comes to meditation and useful when it comes to yoga because it's not you're not trying to look for any external thing to make you sort of fulfilled. You actually find it within yourself, and you know that for me, running is is very much a I love those runs when I'm out in the bush by myself and just sort of, you know, so there's a sense of presence there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so true. It's so true. So, oh man, I'm, it's hard for me to know which direction to take yeah. this conversation as well because I, I was thinking, I was saying to my wife before, I'm like, I'm really excited to learn more about yoga and um, whether yeah, or not there's a benefit for running. And yeah. um, But I'm so interested because obviously it's a running-based podcast, but I know that one of the, the hot topics from people who I hear from who listen is is this mindfulness, meditation, yeah. um, or, or the mental side of performance. And there's there's so many nice little cross- mm. crossovers. But uh, but before we do jump into the, the yeah. yoga side of things, so you said you were originally you were coached by John Ma. Yeah, so, yeah, it started with Johnny Ma back in the day and then it's, he really kick-started my love for running. And I thought after high school, where are the best runners running? They were running in Ballarat at the time, so I thought I'd go and live in Ballarat and just so happened to live with a guy called Lee Troop, fell into that. And he, I think Troop, you said, was on your podcast. Uh-huh. And he was fun, you know, he definitely taught me a lot about dedication and training and he was committed. And there was another guy in the house, Paul Birch, who was a really great Ballarat runner at the time. Yeah. That was sort of coached by Monas, so we got... a 
got tangled up in Mona's group and Mona was a, definitely a good role model for me. Um, ran through the four years of, of uni in Ballarat, running with those guys. And then it sort of kickstarted, you know, it became evident that there was a lot of Kenyans coming over to train with us and live in the house and thought, you know, I might go and do a stint in East Africa and train with Kenyans. And actually it was a funny story because I used to have this poster of Wilson Kipkita on my, um, no, sorry, Wilson Tanui, I should say, Wilson Tanui. Um, Moses Tanui, I keep getting it wrong. Wilson Kikita was in another training group, but Moses Tanui was definitely an idol of mine. He was the first guy to break 60 minutes for the half marathon. And there was an infamous um, 10K race where I think it was a world champs when Gebra Celesi sat, sat on Tanui for the whole race and then a lap to go tried to kick past him and Tanui, he kicked Tanui's shoe off. Yep. And Tanui in protest kicked his shoe off and, <laughs> and then just took off and Gabriel Celeste didn't catch him until like 10 minutes ago and that to my day was just like I love this guy he's just got so much he can run from the front and he just winds it up and um he's not scared to attack and so I became I had a poster of him up is that the wall. race where he whacked Gabriel Celeste as Gabriel Celeste went across the line no that was um that was a junior world championship oh, a couple of years before yeah, yeah. I heard that story and I watched it on YouTube actually so that was a funny one where yeah the Kenyan <laughs> just wasn't happy with Gabriel Celeste passing with 10 minutes ago he gave him a bit of a whack um, so yeah, watched the, um, watched the race, had a poster and funnily enough, I've jumped in a cab with some people that knew this guy and I didn't have a place to stay when I went to Eldoret to train with these guys and they took me to, they said, I'll take you to a runner's house that we know. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's fine. Just sort of fell in a conversation with these guys and knocked on the door and, you know, I walked and there was Moses Tanui sitting <laughs> at the table and I was like, is it rubber eyes? Is this a dream? Why is this an illusion? And ended up staying at his place for like a few months training with him. So, you know, I've fallen into some pretty cool um, opportunities, I think, in life and that was definitely one of them, you know, to be able to just witness these guys train, you know, have world champions in the, world champions in the group like Tanui at the time and um, Wilson Kipkita and... Um, Pretty much all of the Kenyans were training in this one spot in Eldoret and it was just fascinating to watch them train and how hard they trained, you know, and the, the dedication and the teamwork, the camaraderie, you know, which I see a lot of running groups in Melbourne have the same thing, which is beautiful to see. Such a such fertile soil for good running in Melbourne. Oh, know? yeah, you, it really you, is. You sense it, don't you? You go around the town and you see some really good training groups and... You know, I was saying I got coached by Scrivo, and you say you said that you got you got coached by Scrivo, and oh, I actually never got coached coached by him. I ran in uh, Motrim's group for okay. a little while towards the end of my career, but but I, I know Scrivo. Like yeah. I, I used to always say, g'day, g'day to him at the tan. Like you know who I am. Yeah, and and even to this day, you run around the tan. There's Scrivo with his group. You know, like there's there's just some people doing it really well, and I think you know that they're really they're a sort of a the backbone sometimes of Melbourne running. Even like you look at Chris Wardlaw and what he did for running and, and guys like that definitely like picked it up um, running in Melbourne. Man, so, it's blown my mind that you're, you're so into the running scene. This is this is awesome. Um, yeah. So you, you said you're in Africa for, or Kenya for three, three yeah, months? Yeah, well, I was definitely in there for a longer time than that, but I, I lived with uh, Moses for that time and then took off and raced in Europe and um, had some success on the road and um, ran with the Kenyans, you know, just lived with them and trained with them and ran around and did some road races and came back in between, you know, running in Melbourne, got an injury, um, took on duathlon where I sort of was injured and then um, I think it was Scrivo introduced me to this guy at the VIS called Jonathan Hall who was world champion in duathlon at the time. I was riding bikes. So I started riding bikes and 
I don't know. There's a good culture of bike riding in Melbourne too. I don't know if you've I, ever been I actually don't know about that. No, I, mean, I can imagine. Yeah, there's definitely like a culture for lycra and fancy bikes. <laughs> oh, I feel like there was, when there's a culture for coffee. There seems to be a culture for bike, bike riding. Yeah, 100%. so I sort of got I fell into that, and I didn't really want to get out of the cycling, and thought I'd marry the two up. Seeing my dad was a triathlete, and I had those you know mates that were triathletes, and took on duathlon and raced duathlon, and ended up being able to achieve my goal and represent Australia and um you know he said that you had Raf on the podcast before and you know I was fortunate enough to know Raf and had you know we went on a, a team together in in Hungary and that was all it's really fun you know it was such a small world you sit here and you reminisce about the, the the good old days of running um but for me there was an injury that you know I broke my hip in a in a bike crash and as a means of re- rehabbing I found yoga and it was just again it was fortunate that a friend was opening up yoga and back in the day when it happened, this would have been like 10 years ago, there was no men doing yoga. No. I was super intimidated. <laughs> I'd, I'd walk into a room and there was just all these bendy women in hot pants and I was like, what am I doing in oh, here? Oh, you like, poor thing. Yeah, yeah, poor thing. <laughs> My mates were thinking, you poor thing. I was actually pretty intimidated because, you know, you have success in the sport and you think you'd be able to walk in and do you know, do all these things. Yeah. And, mate, I couldn't touch my toes. And I was struggling big time and... There was a few really good teachers in Melbourne that kept me sort of motivated and they were pretty cool and laid back and I thought, you know, this is a pretty cool thing. I'm going to keep going with this. And as I said, you know, you leave yoga and unlike running when you – you know how you have a hard track session, sometimes you go home, you just lay on the couch for the rest of the day, you're pretty cooked. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was something about yoga. I'd walk out feeling energised, but at the same time I was really sort of grounded and relaxed, you know. It was like I had energy for the day and I was like – so I got addicted to it. And I thought, yeah. I'm just going to keep doing it. So running started back and still, still, as I said, to this day, still run, but yoga is definitely um, a daily practice. Yeah. It's so refreshing to hear me, uh, to hear you speak about this. Cause even though I know it on like a, um, like a mind level, I watch you take that class that we run and some, even like the, the, the poses that we were doing were relatively easy and I'm, I'm super amateur. Do you know mm. what I mean when it comes to yoga? But it is one of those things where you forget about the, the benefit of practice. You, you walk into a class and I know what you mean. I went to a few classes where there were, there were girls around me doing poses which revolved uh, around like, a strength which, like, I probably could have out bench pressed them in a gym. Yeah. But when it comes to holding crow pose or something for a minute, these girls were just yeah. eating me up for breakfast, and it was so yeah. humbling, isn't it? <sighs> and and isn't it refreshing? You know, like being in around the running scene, which is such a beautiful scene, but it's very, you know, it's based on performance and it's goal orientated, and you definitely you can't as a distance runner you can't hide the time says it all. You know, like. Um, but you walk into something like yoga and it's the total polar opposite. There's no competition. There's no – I mean, there's going to be ego in everything that you yeah. do. So I wouldn't say that there's no ego in yoga, but there's definitely – there's this lack of perhaps – you probably don't really look at the person next to you. You're just so focused on what you're doing and the only person that's sort of judging you is yourself. Yeah, I was going to know? say, so obviously you're so much further advanced in your yoga practice than me because I go in, I'm like, who's this asshole who can touch his yeah. toes? Yeah, you do look around. <laughs> I, I still sometimes go, oh, well, that's a pretty good handstand. I reckon. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm really curious. I've got to hear more about Kenya because this is a place that yeah. I, I haven't been to myself, yeah. but I'm, I'm really keen and I know that the listeners would love to hear more about it, especially with some of the names that you mentioned. Like, yeah, the old school crew. You so know, so right? how long did you say you were there for in total? I think I was there for probably, it was a gone while, it was just a while ago, it's, you know, over six months for sure, like just, 
you know, I was fascinated by the Kenyans. I always have been, you know, growing up. And I remember a guy on 60 Minutes, I watched this 60, I think I was in like year 10, and this guy called Toby Tenanza, he wrote this book, Train Hard, We Need, yes. the Kenyan way. Yes. And he had this documentary or this sort of, he went to Kenya to check out what they do and why they're so gifted and, and so forth. And and since watching that, I was like, I'm super fascinated. You know, if he can do it, I can do it. So I just saved some money and I knew that there was this guy called Brother Colm O'Connell training in Alderet. Oh, actually, he was in a little place called E10, which is like 20, 30 minute drive from Alderet. But mainly the, the main crew hang out in Alderet and train in Alderet. And yeah, it was just basic stuff. Like it was, it was really interesting. Like I did a, we did this one camp, a training camp. It was like a, it was like a one month camp. We lived on residence and um, it was three sessions a day. Pretty much you wake up, woke up in the morning. It was like a 6am wake up call and you head out the door for a 6k easy jog. And the easy jog was like, I just remember this one training camp because mentally it broke me a bit. And so I was used to all the, you know, the comfy bed and like the hot shower and like a nice hot meal and I think it was like mentally that definitely mentally sharpened me up it was like a 6am easy run and then you'd come back and you'd have literally like half a loaf of white bread and some chai for breakfast and on a on a weekend I think you got a boiled egg which was like you're looking forward to Saturday because you got a boiled egg it was, <laughs> it was an interesting story and then you'd have a 10am session and pretty much every day of the week except for Fridays and Sundays there was a workout so it was like a tempo or a track or um, hills and the fascinating, fascinating thing I, I saw was um, a lot of athletes were actually breaking down and I think because there were so many Kenyans running that 10% of the crew made it and then 10% was like 100 Kenyans whereas like there's not as many Australians running so like our 10% is one or two guys making the world champs you know oh, what I mean so, so interesting so they're, they're, of course like that makes so much sense it was just like everyone was pushing and, and you know it was a lot of lot of hard work and then the afternoons it was always drills and rhythm and you watch the Kenyans run they're so rhythmic you mm-hmm. know and I think that's why I love the vinyasa practice in yoga because there's rhythm and there's that fluid sort of you know when you, it's like one in a thousand runs where you head out the door and you just you feel like you're effortless yeah. You know, it's probably one in a million these days yeah. for me, but yeah. it's like you run out the door and it's just effortless and you're just running along and you're just feeling good and you can just put the pace on and, and tighten the screw and tighten the screw and it's just like you watch that and I think it comes from rhythm and technique and even some of these young blokes getting around at the moment, I saw they had a crack at the tan record yeah. the other week and you watch some of those guys run and it's, it's that silky smooth, you know, I remember the Mottram days and Mark Fountain, those guys that I was training with, but... You know, there's new, new sort of young guys coming up to smooth running is where I think it comes from repetition and going back to the yoga it's the same thing you just through repetition you just become a bit smoother in your transitions and feel less clunky you know it becomes like running yeah there's a rhythm to it and there really is a rhythm when you say the, the Kenyans were doing rhythm and drills in the afternoon like what kind of uh, yeah like we'll do like, like um, like not so much plyometric stuff um, strides you know strides at sort of like 70% pace and then pretty old school basic drills like you you know high knee lifts butt kicks side runs and like just different agility sort of things and actually i went on later on in um when i took up duathlons to be um in charge of coach development for triathlon australia and so i was leading coaching development for all the triathlon coaches around australia or especially in victoria and then that sort of contract me to go around and do other states but it was interesting to see how they started to train the, the junior athletes and lots of agility work in the warm-ups and lots of to really sort of strengthen bone density in different areas. Like if you just run as a runner and run very linear, mm-hmm. 
think this is why yoga becomes useful because actually you're strengthening different angles and different patterns and can actually help the the density of the bones in certain areas that perhaps you find weak spots if you're just doing the same linear movement over and over mm-hmm. so i think that was useful as a as an athlete as well like it wasn't always just straight line running in kenya um in the drills obviously um you know those side steps and side bounds and agility work and things like that which is totally fresh and new to me you know i was just used to the straight line strides and drills and leg kicks and you know, butt kicks and things like that. Yeah. You know? Uh, it's interesting, man, because I've, I've heard people, like, make little um, – uh, like speak a little bit about the benefits of yoga to running and, yeah. um, like, the flexibility might be helpful, but I've never really heard anyone speak about whether there's, there's like, a direct benefit or whether it's something that you would recommend that athletes yeah. do. Like, obviously, it just touch on the fact that running is a very linear sport. And, um, I had a bloke called John Quinnon. You might have heard of him before. He's an exercise physiologist who has a lot to do with now football teams, but um, he was the, I think he was the head athletics coach for like a, a number of Olympic teams for Australia. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that he kept referring to was um, the, uh, the the problems that runners have with injuries because of muscular imbalances and things. And he, and he touched on this idea of it being quite linear and um, just uh, like if we're if we're just constantly repeating bad technique over and over and over again before you know it you're going to have these these little niggles and little injuries that that come up but um one of the things that i haven't heard a, a heap of people really go into is uh like the, the personal benefit to running like a, i know it might be anecdotal but you could have some some other stuff to to refer to but I, i'm from a runner's perspective like how, how's that complemented the running training like has it been a benefit to you that you've noticed as in the yoga yeah yeah i've definitely a massive payoff um you know i I used to notice that i used to would get injuries mainly in my feet mainly in my my hips i had you know a stressy in my sacrum once i had a couple of stresses in my feet just through the load of running and i think um you know everyone looks at yoga as such a stretching you know which is it's kind of true Mm. it's it's true to a point it's it's definitely stretching um, if you think about bones, you know, muscles will pull on a bone to create tension and a stretch and that will place pressure on the bone as well. So it also, you know, some stretching and some form of movement can actually help strengthen the bones and so forth. But, you know, a lot of the single leg stuff you do in yoga, a lot of the, the um, standing on one foot, a lot of the static poses where you're holding like a, you know, body under load, you know, and lo- lots of muscular engagement, hugging to the midline. If the pose is cued well you know you're engaging muscles and so forth so i think it's had a it can almost be like a strength training session without the gym you know i've, I've noticed my body structure structurally has changed a lot and i've become a stronger runner just to be a really lean sort of whip it and now i've sort of got muscles that perhaps you know not bulk but just yeah. like muscles that i've noticed that um even my feet have changed you know you look at the the, the structure of the feet and you know, I think there's there's definitely some strength in the feet, even like plantar fascia, you know, and just the way the toes work and so forth. But what I've noticed is that lots of crew will sort of, and I've done this before, yoga for runners. You know, let's come and do yoga for runners, which is totally useful. You know, you can stretch hip flexors and move the thoracic spine. So, you know, create mobility there and obviously some strength in the glutes and so forth and opening through the hip flexors so you don't sit so much in your running. But all yoga is good for running, you know? Like yoga for running would refer to, yoga for runners would refer to the fact that all yoga isn't for runners. But actually, all of the yoga that I, I've, I've experienced has been really beneficial as a runner. Like most of the poses. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a, there's definitely a payoff for most of the poses. Now, in Melbourne, 
if you were to go to a yoga studio, typically um, Melburnians are pretty crazy for vinyasa or like some kind of hatha vinyasa sort of style or, you know, where you, you, you might move through poses, you might move with the breath and there's like a number of different poses in the hour. There's also um, a session called yin, which is more restorative. You know, you lay back and you sort of stretch and you hold stretches for three to five minutes and, you know, it's said to have an influence on your fascia. Now, not that the other movement wouldn't influence your fascia, all movement would influence fascia because, you know, you're creating that hydration for the fascia. But, but a balance between the two has been really useful. So weeks that I notice I've got a big training load or I'm still running a lot, the yin, a yin practice is so rewarding. Yeah. You lay back and it's almost like a, a restore, you know, a chance to fill your cup. And so you know? I'm la- sorry, I'm laughing because I've got the most embarrassing story about yin yoga. Oh yeah. Uh, like what, a, what, what, what a, a couple of years ago, I just, I was just getting involved in yoga and, uh, I, I went to, I think it was like powerhouse yoga out in, yeah. in Berwick or something. I think it's powerhouse. And I was in class and she said, all right, we're going to do a yin session tonight. And I'd never done it before. She goes, uh, you know, we're going to hold the poses for quite a while. And I was like, oh, beautiful. And uh, one of the poses that we must have held for about five minutes and I fell asleep. Oh, yeah. And and I gave myself, like, I, I came to and I got a fright. Oh, no. And it was like a really peaceful, like, beautiful room. And I... And I got such a fright that I got up. I was like, <gasps> like, oh yeah. And she's like, oh, are you okay? And I was like, oh, like I think I just, I don't know if I just had a nightmare yeah. or what. And everyone in the room is like, oh, mate, like I was just such an amateur. Definitely happens all the time. Oh. Well, you know what? Like, there's um, that yin is such a beauty, especially if you do a night a PM yin class where it's like yeah, finish your day's work. And that was a PM class. Yeah, so there you, know. you go. Yes. Or it might be like a Friday night. Like a lot of typically, a lot of runners would come in and practice with me on a Friday night or a Sunday night. We're in a small like a restorative sort of night recovery night mm-hmm. and um mate more often than not somebody would not off to sleep <laughs> you know you hear a few snores and it was totally normal yeah you don't hear it so much in the vinyasa yeah and i think that's the thing you know if you've got a big training program and you're training hard um balancing your training program because obviously overtraining is a is a thing and lots of runners experience over, i was a massive overtrainer um and then you try to fit in yoga as well, and it's and, and you, if you're doing gym and core as well, and you know you're trying to fit it all in, then you sort of got to pick and choose what the intention of the yoga class is. It might be useful in the to have one or two a week where it's that dynamic stretch, so you know to move through shapes. And I think the dynamic works well for yoga uh, for runners because you're never really holding poses for that long, and you can actually feel gains in the length of the muscle, but also gains in you know the strength and movement with breath and so forth and then you look at also if you're having big training weeks and big training loads well could you throw on a yin class to help out actually down regulate you know calm the nervous system down obviously running is quite a amps your nervous system up so it'd be the opposite to flick a switch and sort of bring the nervous system back into a sort of more of a rest and digest sort of state which is useful as a runner i find Mm. you know it's i find it's hard to rest sometimes if you're you know or, but, you know, if you're training full-time, for all those full-time athletes out there, if you're still doing an afternoon nap, that's kind of like a year. <laughs> Dude, I was laughing because uh, um, a couple of months ago, I might have mentioned this on the podcast with her, but I had I had Jen Lacaz and Ryan Griggs. So I don't know oh, how yeah. closely you follow. No, I've, no, I've seen them running but, around though. Yeah. Super athletes. So I, had, I, I was trying to get Ryan on the podcast. I'd had Jen. And one day I said to um, 
uh, Tim was like, oh, just give me a call later in the afternoon. We'll organise a time to do it. So I called her and I said, oh, like, he's Ryan there. I'd love to have a chat to him about coming on. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. He's just having his afternoon nap at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, bro, it's just the, it's the ideal lifestyle. How good is an afternoon profe- nap? Oh, yeah. A profession- okay. yeah, like that professional lifestyle of being a runner. Start he- training at like 8 a.m. <laughs> Liam naps. Adams was the opposite. Do you know Liam Adams? Yeah, he's, he's, he works full time. He works full time. He runs 200Ks a week. Yeah. And it's just go, go, go. Like he's... Um, like in terms of longevity, I don't know how he does it. He's, he's, yeah. a, he's a beast. Like I guess with practice, you get stronger. But um, he was saying that he's up at 4 a.m. some mornings to mm. get to work and then he comes home, runs 30K and he's in bed by 10. Um, someone like Liam Adams, you know, if you're an athlete like that that sort of goes hard on, burns a candle at both ends, something like the meditation or like the yin practice would be would be super helpful, super useful because it actually – there's a practice called yoga nidra, which is kind of like yin where you hold – you hold you know you lay down and you sort of consciously rest the body it said you know there's been some pretty longitudinal studies it's not just one or two studies that have shown that you know um 20 minutes of this type of practice can be just as beneficial as like your one hour afternoon nap or if not deep sleep nap of the the yin yoga yeah yeah where it's like a deep because it's a it's a restore for the nervous system you know so it's if, if you're an athlete that's really burning the candle then obviously, yeah, what is the longevity? So if you can add in something that can, can sort of counter that, you know, and, and be and then you start to actually realize that, wow, it's not just the physical practice I'm going for anymore. You know, like I start to recognize where I'm stuck, where, where I'm, my restlessness or, you know, um, how the mind can be, because the mind works in an interesting way. And sometimes I have, I love this mindfulness analogy where it's like, you know, when the when the lake is still, just like when the mind is still, everything can be seen. You know, you can see down, you can see the bottom of the water. But when the water's churning, nothing can be seen. So if we're always constantly moving and just like busy, we can't actually see how the mind sort of works. And as a runner, it's really useful to notice like that when you, when you sort of bite the hook of something. You know, like when, for instance, you're even leading in into a race you, yeah. there's so much nervous energy that sort of you know so if you can notice where the mind works and where you might be stuck in something it's that ability to sort of notice oh well i can tr- strengthen that capacity strengthen and train because if i go to the gym and do bicep curls i'm probably going to get a strong bicep right i'll go in and repeat that three or four times a week just as and my bicep will get stronger if i can actually meditate or be in a space where i actually slow down and notice my breath and notice the way thoughts arise and then I'm, I'm actually strengthening the muscle of attention mm. so when i'm in the middle of a squeeze or when i'm in the middle of something that's quite challenging then i can notice where my mind is actually if it's taking me in a direction that's actually useful or if it's not and if it's not then could i actually flip it and do something different because we have patterns in the mind that can you know we, in yoga we call them vasanas which are sort of we have memory so you'd have like Let's say you, you, a nice analogy might be, okay, you eat, you like to eat chocolate after your main meal, right? I'm sure there's some listeners out there yeah, that probably yeah, you're talking to one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so like at some point you finished your main meal at night and one day you reached out and you, you got a square of lint chocolate and it had a good impression on you. So then that good impression, you've gone back and you've sort of done it again, you've done it again, you've kept repeating it and you've strengthened that capacity. You've, you've ingrained that groove in your sort of, um, that, that pattern, that memory that after every main meal, even if you're super full, if there's a square of chocolate, you're going to go out and reach for it, right? So you've strengthened that capacity. So yoga is sometimes about undoing the capacity, noticing where we get, noticing our urges, noticing our sort of 
our negative bias of the mind or noticing where we sort of can sometimes be stuck. And that's useful in running because, you know, more often the case, if, if you're a young runner especially, there's no doubt that leading into races, there's a lot of nervous energy. I'm not good enough, you know, am I going to make this time? I don't think I can match these people. And, and this is all the mind stuff, stuff of the mind, which is, it's cool to understand the mind, you know. If you can understand how the mind works, then you're perhaps less inclined to bite the hook and run with it. Yeah, I, I really like that. I actually think I heard, is it Pema Chodron? I don't mm, know if I'm saying Pema, her name yeah, right. Yeah, Pema Chodron, yeah. Yeah, but I think she might even have a book. I, I swear I've, I've read a book called Don't Bite the Hook. Don't Bite the Hook. She actually, yep, she, she writes a book called Don't Bite the Hook. Yeah. And, I, and I found it so interesting, and it's something that – I'm not kidding today, like I was thinking earlier, because um, – like always, I, I, I laugh with my wife, but I laugh because I'm like, I've got to improve this. Like I've got a tendency to get quite impatient with silly things, like especially with fiddly things. Yeah. If I'm putting up a tent and it's, it's something that we, we laugh at because it's, it is, it's such a, a pattern of yeah. behavior, which I think I've just reinforced so much that now someone says, let's put up a tent and I can already feel like I'm angry. Yeah. You're angry. And then yeah. you act out on your anger. And yeah. it's, it's interesting when you can see that you, you're about to act out and not act out. That's the wisdom mind. That's when it's, it really starts to count. Now, this could be useful as a runner because, you know, like, you know, those little chat, and we've all had them when we're sitting in a pack and we're feeling pretty comfy. And then all of a sudden there's a, there's a, there's a point that there's a challenging point in the race. You, you know, there's a little challenging period that you go through. Now you can drop the ball altogether. You, like when a gap opens perhaps and you sort of get started, sort of just drift off the back of a pack. If you drop the ball and you allow the mind to do its natural thing, which is sort of spiral into the negative bias, then it's it's more easy to sort of just you just roll with that story. You're in mm. you're stuck in the narrative of okay, I'm off now, I'm I'm done, I'm cooked, I'm feeling terrible. Or if you can notice when that's coming up and notice, okay, this is a little challenging patch, and I've got those thoughts, I'm done, I'm cooked. Am I cooked? Am I done? Can I relax right now? Is it possible to stay with the pace and run relaxed? Or is there a po- you know? So you're actually in the the mind that's discerning rather than the mind that's just this small perspective. It's kind of like small mind versus big mind. You're in yes. the small stuck mind that you sort of you've you've succumbed to the idea that you you cooked for the day and that's it. That's your race and you're not good enough or whatever it is. Yeah. Or actually, can you realize? Well, I can discern right now. I'm having a hard patch, but can I actually get through this hard patch? Can I breathe a little different or is there somewhere in my body I can relax more or, you know, can I stay with the rhythm and see if I can sort of hold on here? Yeah. You know, it's interesting when the mind sort of gets to runners. I think it's, there's, there's, there's definitely, a bit, there's been a big surge in this mindfulness in, in team sport like AFL and, and, and whatnot because I think it can be helpful to, to be able to sort of self-regulate, you mm. know, to self-regulate your body. Yeah, it's, it's really good, man. And I, I think you're going to be speaking to so many people here because you don't have to look far to know that there's I, – I think it's funny. Like when it comes to physical health, people know, okay, if I eat good food mm. and I exercise regularly, chances are my, my body's going to be in quite good health, barring yeah. any other, you know, accidents or, or whatever else you, you might chuck in there that could affect that. But I think if you say like – Mentally, I'm, I'm unhealthy or unfair, a little bit flabby. I think some people are, are still a little bit like, oh, I, okay, I've recognized that in myself. I, I think I get stressed, I get anxious, I get uptight, but I'm not really sure how to train that, that flabbiness in a sense. Yeah. Um, and it's almost this ability to allow it to, to come up and allow it to be there because that's how the mind works. And you're not trying to like, you just, you, you're just acknowledging, oh, that's the mind again. You know, I've, um, I've, I've noticed in a lot of young athletes, I just a coach running. Um, for a little while there, I was a high school teacher, so I helped out with coaching running. I really enjoyed that aspect. And I noticed a lot of young athletes would come through and before the gun went, they were cooked. 
you know, they were cooked mentally, yeah. they were cooked before the garden even went. And those that we started to introduce this mindfulness and meditation practice and actually it's like rather than worrying about competition, like who's going to be at the race, who's running fast, comparison, self-comparison, you know, sabotaging beliefs, through meditation there's more of a sort of equanimity there's this evenness through the mind it's like i'm here i'm acknowledging that i'm here and you know externally nothing's really going to affect me it's only i'm going to just gun goes off i go i'm going to run to my capability my ability and i'm actually that's all i can do you know and i can realize that's all i can do and now the mind's going to probably tell me otherwise and it's probably going to come in with some kind of you know narrative about there's people better than me here but if you let that sort of be a defeatist mechanism, then I think sometimes you go into the race before before it even starts with defeated. Yeah, you know? yeah, a hundred percent. And I know from first hand experience that I would get I would get so caught up in my head before a race that I had been that bloke plenty of times. Like yeah. I always laugh. I think oh, if I hadn't known half the things that I'd sort of learnt, you know, now at age thirty three, at twenty five, I would have been such a better athlete. But absolutely, for, for, for athletes out there who are thinking, man, that is a hundred percent me, mm. um, who. Uh, you know, they, they understand that, that that constant rumination on just negative emotions or who have bitten the hook and yeah. um, and, and are sort of just wiring themselves too much before the race. Like, are there are there some simple practical strategies that, that you would recommend? Like, uh, always, I like to, and I think Pema, I speak to her on a first name basis. Pema, no, <laughs> me and Pema. She's, she's a beautiful author. I read a lot of her stuff. She's definitely been an influence in practice for me as well yeah if you i mean if you're listening and you're like who is this pema she's a buddhist author um she's a renounced um buddhist nun and she she writes a lot of great literature you can listen to it on your runs on audible Mm -hmm. she has a lot of books on audible as well but pema children is a beautiful author and that book don't bite the hook or there's so many books actually how the mind works and um yeah, if, you, if you're into that sort of thing and if there's something that's sort of calling, I would love to sort of read about that and meditation. But, yeah, check her out for sure. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. One of the things that I, yeah, I took out from, from her book is just that, like when you notice a negative emotion arise, uh, well, a lot of the time if you have a negative thought or something uncomfortable comes to your mind and you just spoke about just sitting with that and letting it arise, but a lot of us, I guess, try and bury it or try and push it away and the harder we push, the bigger it seems to mm. get. Yeah, um, and, and that was one thing I took away from her book, which I, I still practice like on a daily basis now. Yeah. If I, my wife might not notice it as much as I wish she did, but uh, because I'll, I'll, I'll get impatient or, or whatever, and you'll, you'll notice the the you know the the five times out of ten where you still have a negative reaction. Or yeah, a, and that's the thing with meditation; it's not a big like aha moment. It's like little things, like you miss the train, and you know what? I'm going to get the next one, rather than you know you miss the train and all you know. The, the poo hits the fan, you yeah. know, like it's like it's the end of the world. Yeah. And that's the thing, like you rock up to a race and oh wow, that's your strongest competitors here. Okay, your strongest competitors here. Let's go. We're gonna we're gonna I'm just gonna do my thing rather than you rock up to a race, oh my god, my strongest competitor gee whiz, like it's over, like how can I compete? Or you know, or you know, you rock up to your race and you do your warm up and they're running twenty minutes behind on the schedule and you've already warmed up mm. and it's not the end of the world, you know, your your routine's a little shaken, but all of a sudden you don't get disrupted as much, you know? So and I think that's really useful. And what you alluded to before is there's some technique around that. I think there's definitely technique. Um, and just like running, if you want to get better, it has to be repetitive. You know, we strengthen pattern through repetition. And if you were to just create it as a ritual. So meditation for me has always been a ritual, just like running. Like I used to wake up, put my running shoes on and out the door. I'd love to run in the morning and before I did anything, before I had breakfast. Or And everyone's got their own ritual, you know, and it might be get up in the morning, pull your bed up, and then 
you know, wash your face or go to the bathroom or whatever you do. And that's a ritual, right? Because yeah. you pull your bed up. And now if you don't pull your bed up in the morning, you probably walk out the door and you don't feel complete. It's like something's missing. So if you can make meditation a ritual, and it might be five minutes of sitting there and just breathing. So what – and this actually comes from um, – the Vajrayana Buddhist technique, which um, Pema is a big fan of, is sit and you just sort of get comfortable. And, you know, for a lot of runners, sitting is uncomfortable in itself. So sit up against the wall or if it's too uncomfortable, lie down. And then just sit there and first of all, notice your body. So you might just sort of shift and move and take a little time with that. And then it's, you go a little bit more subtle each time, then you start to notice the breath. And just to notice the breath can be... You could go through the whole day and notice that you probably don't notice that you're breathing at all. Yeah. So to sit and notice your breath is, okay, there's already some gold. So you sit and you notice your breath and all of a sudden you're exactly where you are. The breath actually brings you back to yourself a little bit. And then if you are to notice your breath and you don't have to necessarily change the breath, but you might just repeat, you might just notice the exhale and as you breathe out, you might repeat the words soften, relax, let go. Yeah. And then the inhale comes in, and that's a waiting period for the exhale, because each time you're exhaling, you just say the words soften, relax, let go. And then what happens is the mind will probably flicker. I should like, what am I going to do, 10K today? Or 12? Oh, I have a session this afternoon. Or, you know, should I have, what am I, should I have Cocoa Pops for breakfast? Or should I have something healthy today and have some avocado? You know, like the mind will flicker, and it's its natural tendency to drift. So as soon as you notice the mind flicker, here's the bicep curl in the gym. Mm-hmm. This is where you acknowledge flickering and you say the word thinking in the mind's eye. Yeah. And then you just come back to what you're doing, the breath. Soften, relax, let go on the exhale. Now, this might you might sit for five minutes and it sounds simple and you'll be like, yeah, I can do that. Easy. But you might, you might sit there for five minutes and the whole time you're just what, noticing that you're just coming back, coming back. Now, that's a really good practice because you've done 25 bicep curls. The person that sat there and just been in the breath the whole time thinks that's a better meditation because I've sat and I haven't been distracted at all. But actually, it's not a better meditation. They're both on an even par because you're both just sitting and you're meditating and it's not so much a good meditation, it's just a meditation. The actual payoff comes when all of a sudden you're in the moment of a big squeeze, start of a competition or just in your daily life, you know, we don't even have to refer it to it as running. Mm. And a thought comes up that actually you, you, you can, you can notice that a thought is just that it's a thought. Now, some thoughts we empower by acting out on them mm-hmm. and others we disempower by letting them go, you know, and, and which, which is steering you in which direction. I remember this interesting, I was in India. I thought I better go to India just to check these guys out because this is where yoga originated from. And they have this thing in yoga called a satsang, which is like you sit, you sit down. It's kind of like what we're doing. It's a question and answer sort of for, format. And we sat down and there was this teacher. And I remember this question got asked, something about thoughts. And what stood out, she said, thoughts are like a ticket to a destination. Like if you go into a train station and say, can I buy a ticket? The first thing they're going to ask you is, where is it that you want to go? It's kind of like a thought. Some, we, we get on the train of the thought, but most of the time we don't actually know where the train's taking us. Yeah. You know, but if we can acknowledge and discern where we're actually going with that thought, then we're more able to actually get off the train if it's not actually leading us in a direction that we want to go. So if we're sitting in the car pre-warm-up and we're acknowledging that shit, like this is, a, this is the state champs and I want to make the nationals and I've got to make the top seven and I'm getting nervous and I'm preempting how things go and it's all this nervous energy and I'm noticing that my thoughts are just taking me to a direction 
that's not actually leading me in a path that's useful, then I'm more able to discern. Yeah. But that's a practice to even notice that I'm thinking. And I get that through meditation. Mm, that, is, that is a really good way to put it. Yeah. It's a really good way to put it. It's amazing, man. Like, I've, I've heard this stuff. Yeah. And it's so simple and it's so refreshing. Well, it's simple on the surface. Yeah. But like you say, it's a, I've, morning after morning, like, I've, I've, probably the last six months, I've, I've developed that consistency to an extent with meditation. And uh, I, I'm inspired by my cousin who is he's a, a Buddhist himself. Like, he's an Australian guy, but he, he sort of is interested in the Buddhist tradition. And um, I also, I'm, I'm from like a Christian tradition mm. originally, and there's a guy from the, the Christian world called Richard Raw, oh, yeah. um, who's a, who speaks a lot about this stuff. And, and there's some nice crossovers that I think when you yeah. get so caught up in your own particular yeah. tradition, it's hard to acknowledge. I think in, in others, sure. but they all seem to have this commonality, uh, this common, um, this common ground of of what you're speaking about, of just you know. Letting thoughts happen, like letting them take their place, letting them play out, yeah. and, and and coming back to the breath or coming back to, to something that's that's still like recognizing the flicker and then sort of coming back. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it's interesting that you were speaking because because I think if I hadn't have had the chance to speak to someone like Jamie, my cousin, or, or hear from yourself, I I would say that in the last two months, based on how many times I get caught up in the flicker, I've been meditating far worse than yeah. what I was originally. And I spoke to my cousin the other day. He said, no, no, he goes, what you might be doing is recognizing just how busy the mind is. And mm. you've, you've gone to like a new realization of, um, or, or, or you've come to a new awareness of, of that. And he goes, it's, it's a great opportunity to recognize it, you know, in your words, as a, as a flicker, and then come back to the breath, use it as a bicep curl. So that's actually just as beneficial as me leaving and feeling so I've just been lost in the breath. Yeah, because it's not actually so much... It's not measured. Like you don't go into a meditation with a specific goal or a measurement. You actually just go into the meditation and that becomes the, the, the practice. And then the actual measuring stick is like if you don't do the practice, are you, are you quicker to react? Are you quicker? You know, like if you were to meditate every day and some days it's just like you sit and your mind's like super preoccupied, which is totally normal. Yeah. Even for a meditator that's been meditating um, for the, the guy who teaches me for thousands and thousands of hours, like – his mind's always super preoccupied and that's not so much that, but it's like, for instance, if you don't meditate, you might like three minutes, three, three months of meditating daily. And then you don't do a meditation for a week or something. And your girlfriend might say, or your, your wife, sorry, might say, what's, what's up with you? So like something, something is different. Like you, you it's kind of like you're reactive. You're a bit more like, you know, it's like meditation can become the platform to actually, it's not so much the meditation becomes what happens after the meditation, which is, you know. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, it's, it's not, there's no such thing as a good or bad meditation. And this is, I think, where people fall, fall down with meditation because, you know, challenging thoughts come up or they notice where they're stuck or they get restless. And just the noticing itself is the goal. Mm. Whereas like, I can't do this, you know, I can't do this because my mind has to be still. But in fact, the mind will probably never be still. It's this ability to, yes, steady the mind and find stillness within the movement of the mind. That's interesting. You know? Actually, to keep going back to Pema, one thing that she said in, in the book, uh, Don't Bite the Hook, was um, she was saying, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm 75 years old or however she, old she was at the time. And she's like, I've come to realize I've got a busy mind. My mind's busy. And she's like, and it doesn't bother me a bit. No. And she goes, and that's the beauty. She goes, that's the beauty. I don't have to worry about, oh, that's a good thought. Oh, that's a bad thought. Oh, that hurts. Oh, that's scary. That's I'm sad. I'm happy. She's like, it's all... It's all beautiful. And I think she said that she used to feel as though her 
like her mind or her life was was like the size of a nickel. She felt all cramped in and stuck. And whenever she would feel a negative emotion, or that, to use running terms, like whenever she would feel that that nervousness or that fear of going into a competition, she would get uptight and stressed, and that was beneficial to nothing. Um, she said, but as she's gone on, she's learnt to be just as comfortable with with difficult emotions as she is with with happy emotions or good emotions. And yeah, um, it's really finding comfort. I mean, look at the world at the moment, and there's like there's such groundlessness at the moment. And it's being able to find you know, like comfort in groundlessness. It's a challenge because mm-hmm. like if your world turns upside down, then to be comfortable in that and acknowledge that, okay, don't go down the storyline. Don't go down into the dramatic like narrative that generally happens and just stay with. And I think it's coming back to presence, right? It's like training the ability to stay with what is as it is. And this is why running is useful. And this is why yoga is useful. You know, for me, running can be a real sense of presence like we were saying before you get out in nature or you you run and you know you're aware of your body you're aware of how your limits where you can push and where you need to pull back and your pacing and you were you're aware of your breath your senses are heightened you know you definitely see things when you you know when you go to a city and you put your running shoes on and you run around the streets and it's like wow like you see things Mm -hmm. and you're like oh my god i'm gonna bring like my friends back here and walk through these streets yeah like i've seen like beauty in these streets or you, you go out and you run and energy's moving. And this is the idea of actually asana, which is useful probably as a, um, if you're just starting out in yoga. The, the yoga poses are called asana. Um, so there's three sort of, like, think of yoga, because if you went to India and said, have you practiced yoga today? They'll say, yeah. And you'll say, oh, what poses did you do? And they're like, poses? Now just meditated. Like, meditation is yoga. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, so, I remember being in a temple once and I was doing handstands out the front of the temple and the guy came out and said, gymnastics. And I was like, pretty much. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like the, the yoga can be – yoga, the asana or the poses, is a platform for you to get tension out of the body, to reduce tension in the body. Now, if there's less tension in the body, then the energy, what's called in yoga prana, energy can move more freely. That can be useful when you're sitting and doing breath work or pranayama or can be useful when you're sitting and doing meditation because you're less stuck and you, the energy is moving and you're, you're allowing it to move. Now, running can be very similar, you know, like sometimes running creates this movement of energy in the body and it frees tension in the body. And have you ever been out on a run and you're sort of stuck on something? You might be stuck on an essay if you're studying in uni or something like that. Then you go for a run and you get all creative all of a sudden you get all these creative ideas because energy is starting to flow. So running can create that sort of movement of energy in the body. So too can yoga or the asana. And the idea that the two can marry in is really is, is, is actually a really great idea because they're both movement. They're both focusing on breath. You know, they're both focusing on, okay, how can I be here with less effort? If you're in a warrior two or a standing pose, the idea is how can I not push stronger? Actually, how can I stay here and be here with less effort? If you're sitting in a, a fifteen hundred meter group and you're going through to you, you go through eight hundred, you're sitting in this pack and you know you're coming up to close to the bell lap, you're like, How can I be in this pack with less effort? You're not thinking of like pushing harder, you're actually th- the opposite. You're probably thinking, How can I stay at this rhythm? And I remember this this swimming coach actually, Laurie Lawrence, used to have this um, actually, there was a guy called Wayne, um, Wayne, Wayne Smith. What was Wayne's last name? 
Anyway, it was passed on by Laura Lawrence. He had a really beautiful swimming mantra called relax speed. You know, it's like relax speed rather than push, push, push. You know, those running coaches, I used to be one of those running coaches that used to run around the course and go, come on, gotta push, gotta push, which is fine, right? Yeah. Like it, it lifts you up a bit. But it's like, how could you do the opposite? How can you stay at the speed and relax there? Relax speed. So yoga can be useful because you actually become present and you notice where you're holding tension or you notice where you're stuck or you notice where and can you be able to you become more sensitive to be able to relax at speed under pressure in a sticky situation you know in the middle of chaos how can you find a sense of relaxing amongst all of that which is i guess what pema sort of yeah. was talking about you know yeah so do you have many athletes many runners coming in and doing your classes at the moment or is it yeah yeah it's definitely like you know, and, and athletes from from basketball players to um, I've been fortunate to work with Lululemon as a company, and you know, I went and I've taught yoga to AFL crew. I've taught yoga to Swimming Australia, um, Athletics Australia, Athletics Victoria, and it's really it's interesting because what I've seen um, is that the elite crew make it a practice, whereas the the sometimes sometimes it's like if it's a training camp and they just they have to do yoga it's just like this is just a throwaway session and it's like because i'm so focused on my running that this is just like whatever i just have to do this because i'm i'm here on the running camp but actually those that are sort of the elite actually realize the benefit in it and they do it anyway and i've, I've found that really interesting to see how many of the elite crew actually use mindfulness as a practice or yoga asana as a practice um, a lot of the surfers come in, like Nikki um, Van Dyke comes into yoke, and um, we had um, this was a good one for my mate in Torquay. We had Mick Fanning come in. Oh my gosh! And that was Chris's. Oh, that would um, awesome. One of his favourite days. But yeah, there's lots. I mean, obviously, there's lots of athletes doing yoga now, which is which is cool to see. Yeah. And so it's that progression, you know, it's like just uh, repetition coming in, and you just open up naturally. The body opens up, you know. Yeah. So, so for someone who's never done it before, someone yeah. out there who's like, okay, I'm self-sold. Yeah. Um, where, where do they start? Do they like how many how many times a week, or is it just something you start with one and try and work your way yeah. up? Or yeah, any particular a, classes that you would recommend. That's a good point. Like, where would you start? Like, you'd probably look online. Like the online. Okay, so there's two points. If you feel like because there's a big gap between online and in studio, and mm. due to the COVID you know crisis that we've had and and all of the gyms and facilities that you know yoga studios and so forth have been closed down so a lot of the the yoga has gone online and what i've noticed that when people come back they say wow you know it's such a difference between being online and and being in the studio they're a lot more sort of less distracted in the studio and more present in the studio good thing with runners though is that i think runners are very um in in essence a self-determined self-motivated get up out of bed you know it's very so if you can if you can run a 90-minute run on a Sunday, I'm pretty sure you could do a 45-minute class and not get too distracted, you know, like not reach for your phone or not because you've sort of got that sort of dedication and determination to actually press go Yeah. And off you go. Now, if you do get a sort of restless or you get distracted, studios are really great and yoga studios also provide you an opportunity to get corrections on your alignment and so forth. Now, this can be useful as a beginner because – um, if you're in the studio, then the teacher that's teaching the class can actually see you personally, 
you know, in the flesh and be like, oh, you know, like, Tice, just move your knee to the right a little bit there. How's that feel? Mm. Oh, yeah, it feels better. Oh, cool. Okay, so it's like you can have a little bit more sort of scope with your actual practice. Now, if you're at home, it's useful because you get used to the poses and your body opens a little bit and it doesn't cost you anything and you just, you know, you don't have to travel to a studio. But if you actually want to go a little bit deeper, studio is a really good option, you know. Mm. Now, you, the classes that you choose would probably be something like a – slow flow or a keep it mellow class or might even be a foundations class where it's a bit slower and that was my probably biggest downfall i went into the open level classes and people doing handstands it's like, <laughs> so intimidating i always laugh when the girl on, the, on youtube video says to me uh, like you can walk step or hop to the front of your mat and i always look up and she's doing like a 12 second handstand to get to the front of her mat and i'm just yeah. trying to clip my, get my toes up near my wrist yeah I, yeah <laughs> That's, um, so, you know, to take that intimidation factor out. But you know what? Like sometimes uh, a lot of runners want to jump into the deep end, too, yes. you know, and that's cool too. Yeah. And notice that there's no um, there's no judgment in a yoga studio and there's no, um, you know, it's the, there's no performance. It's not, it's, not, it's not a performance. So you go in and there's lo- always going to be modifications. Yeah. There's always going to be options. You can always slow down. You can always rest when you need to rest. You're not judged. Perhaps maybe not in a Bikram class. I think you can still rest in a Bikram. Um, first yoga class I ever did was in Richmond, in Bridge Road. I went up and did this Bikram class. It was 90 minutes and I asked to go because it was like 45 degrees. <laughs> and I tried to get off the mat to walk out and the, um, the yoga instructor said, I'm not allowed to leave. And I was like... So what if you need to go to the toilet? Mate, I was like 20 minutes in and I was about to pass out because I was so dizzy. I just remember that. Said, That's brutal. I don't want to be that teacher. So maybe so scary. don't go to the big Oh, man, I feel like a lot of people aren't going to go if they've watched the documentary as well. Oh, yeah, I recently true. watched it. I was like, I'm not going to one of those that's classes true. for a while. Yeah, it's a but, sweaty uh, sweat box and yeah, there's, there's things going on there. Man, um, to take a slight tangent, uh, yeah. one of the, like after, just randomly, me and you were on a on a flight the same yeah, day. Yeah, that's right. So um, actually, funny story, my, my wife and I were actually, dude, was I with my wife? I think you might have been. I think she was waiting and we were filling up our water bottles as good travellers always do, fill up your water bottle so you're well hydrated on the plane and you are behind me and I think we just sort of I noticed each other. Yeah, I was like, I know this dude. I yeah. Um, was that December? Yeah, it's gone quick. Because what – I'm trying to think if I was with my wife because I actually – she ended up getting to Bali. Maybe you're going over to catch up with her, I think. Maybe was, that's she what, was already over there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was trying to. I was trying yeah. to remember because so we were going over for it's just like a getaway. I don't mm. know. I don't know why we're going there. It's a little getaway. But my best mate was over in Bali doing a a, a course with um, Octavia. Yeah. At the practice. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's gonna he's gonna love it. I mentioned to him that I was catching up with you today. I didn't know if you knew who Octavia yeah, was. Yeah. Such a legend. Like he's, dude, he um, seems like a legend. He's kind of just. He's on the right path with yoga. He's very, um, he just knows what he's doing with the yoga. You know, he's, he's got his practice and he stands and he doesn't really get easily distracted by other things that are going on and I think he's got it down pat, you know. Like, it's diff- again, different style of yoga that I, I teach, but, you know, all yoga marries up and there's a there's a definitely a crossover and I think what he's doing is pretty cool. He's getting a lot of people into the yoga. Yeah, yeah, well, he, he definitely, my, my mate, uh, Pauli, he, he's right into it now. And he went over and I think he was there for like maybe a month yep. doing doing a course with him. And um, anyway, my, I don't know, 
well, I was going to bring this up, but my, I missed my flight. Like uh, my, my visa was run out or my, my passport was expired or whatever. And my wife was over there and hanging out with, with my best mate for our honeymoon or whatever it was, our uh, anniversary. And uh, so I was just confident, sweet back in Melbourne. Then when I saw you on the plane, I was like, oh, dude, there's got to be something in that. Like I was so happy to see you yeah. about to get it. But I was I was just curious because obviously you were going over there. I don't know if it was to travel or to, to practice but I was. It's obviously not something that you're just doing in Australia. Like, are you? Was was that for for work? Or was yeah, that just I for... mean, I've had good opportunities overseas where I've been able to sort of work um, in different countries, and I think that's the thing with running and yoga. Like, you can go over and you can take your craft overseas because it's such a universal practice. You know, you go over and especially Bali is such a mecca for um, for yoga. You know, yeah. such as such a mecca for good yoga. So you go over and yeah, I've been working over in Bali a little bit and. Just go over sometimes for a bit of a holiday and a break, and I mean it's accessible. I don't know when we can get over the next. Oh man, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Well, it was it was interesting because I remember yeah you said you were filling up your your water bottle. I think I looked like I was there to hydrate. I was probably just stalking you and your girlfriend, just trying to just trying to go. Hey, like I think we're friends, aren't we? And <laughs> uh, and then you were just cutting laps before you got on the plane because like we're going to be on the plane for a while. Yeah. So are you like you're obviously quite aware of um, like the the requirements and stuff that your body has and needs and stuff is that something that you're quite conscious of when it comes to we've been sitting there for an hour and hour i don't know if that yeah is a is a thing for you but are you are you quite um what's the word like attentive to to making sure you're agile and up and about during the day as much as you can or yeah i mean i tend to like as a yoga teacher it's it's fascinating because you are on the road a little bit so you definitely you know bouncing from studio to studio so i do sit more than i used to as a um you think that you, you know, yeah, that's why I said the daily practice, you've got to keep your daily practice going as a yoga teacher. You know, you don't just go in and teach classes. You want to keep your practice going as well. Um, but yeah, definitely. I just think I've never been able to really sit still, which is the, the funny thing with meditation. I still feel mm. gets to the, you know, 30, 40 minute mark in a meditation these days and there's agitation, you know, oh, kind of a bit restless oh, or. I get there way before you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some mornings it's like, I think, wow. How long has this been? Probably like 20 seconds. You know when you're doing 1K reps or something and you press start and off you go and you run along the tan or something, you say, surely it's like, well, you're doing three-minute reps and you look down and suddenly they've been like 30 seconds Uh and you think you're up like two and a half minutes. And sometimes like me with the meditation, you know, you get into it and it's a a long meditation. But I think, you know, movement for me, when you stop, you stop. Mm -hmm. So I'm always going to be moving at some point. I think movement fuels the ability to do what I do, you know? Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's Don't awesome. You? Oh, man, I do. I really do. And I feel like after conversations like this, I always appreciate it more. But yeah, I've just – I told you an hour. And, uh, dude, I actually I, – I wish we could keep talking, but my wife, we're heading down to Mount Martha tonight. Oh, yeah. We're going to catch up with some friends. So she goes, oh, make sure you're ready to go by quarter to five. Absolutely. So, you gotta, um, but, like man, I'd love, to, I'd love to get you back on again. I said yeah, I'm going nice. to come and try and do yeah, a couple yeah, of sessions absolutely. with you. So what – where, like, for, for people who might want to just yep. come and do a class with you, where, where do they start? Where do they go? Yeah, so you could um, come along. So, uh, personally, I teach at um, a studio called Yoke in South Melbourne and down in Torquay. So, if you're a um, surf coast runner, also a studio in Northcote called um, Good Vibes, and that's also in Collingwood. So, oh, sweet. Yoke and Good Vibes and Happy Melon in Armadale. Oh, man, you had a few different. Yeah, so this no, is like your, it's your full time gig now. That's yeah. awesome. We do teacher trainings with Yoke, so. Um, for me, it was always, you know, when you learn something, it's cool. It's, a, lot, a lot of runners will probably coach, go on to coach. You know, when yeah. you learn something, you have a thirst to teach it because there's so much passion in it. So I've gone on to do teacher trainings with Yoke. So um, that's also a real passion of mine, teaching teachers and 
it's been fun. Uh, so how, just before we finish up, how, how long have you been doing it for now? How long have you been? Oh, well, probably like the actual practice, probably close to close to 10 years. And wow, then the yeah. actual just teaching, probably seven that's awesome. Yeah. That's a, well, yeah, we, we both left your class at Lululemon raving about it, which is part of the reason I wanted to get, get you on here. And you I don't, I mean, I was, I was, I was spoiled today. I just couldn't believe how much of a background yeah. you had in running. I didn't realize it was so That's why I was so, I was so keen to come on your podcast. I had a look at, you know, what you're doing. You've definitely got, you know, you had some photos with even like Sean Crichton and crew like, yeah, back in the man. Day, yeah, the know, guns. Just... He actually used to coach me years ago. Did yeah, he? yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that when he broke the Australian record and he the, the back straight. As you know, and the old Olympic Park was just going nuts. That was, Gee, a, that was a great race. Yeah, he's a good man. He's a good man. Hey, thanks for coming on. Mate, thanks for having me. That was awesome.